drop, drop, drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Hello and welcome to Drop Your Buffs. Today we will be discussing Survivor Season 41, episode number 8. Uh, a big thanks to all of you for joining me for this new podcast recap series by way of the Over Under Achievers, where today we are talking about Survivor, but tomorrow we will be talking about sports. And since you're here, I just want you to know that I love the community that comes with watching and recapping this show so much that it's convinced me to go on a relationship recovery tour. More on that later. And hey, I'll just put this out there like an offer to form an alliance. If you want to rate this podcast with five stars, that would be fantastic. Like a like a taste of papaya post-grilled cheese. But you know what would be even better? Tell people you enjoy the show. That's the best way to help us out. Uh, all right, gang, if you're new to this, this is how it's going to work throughout the season. I give my stray thoughts as well as some episode superlatives. And then I respond to your questions via the knoxmccoy.substack.com community. All right. So without further ado, let's tend the fire for this episode and talk about some stray thoughts. Come on in, guys. All right. So I will I will say this about uh, last night's episode. I you know I was a little disgruntled. I think that probably came through in, in the last recap, and I I uh, even talked about it on the podcast. Gave it my red light just because of the uh, idiocy of the uh, hourglass um, concept of competitive sports on reality TV. Uh, that being said, I felt like this episode was a return to form. I liked that all the pomp and circumstance, all the bread and circus, the unnecessary bread and circus of uh, previous episodes. I'm glad that it, uh, I, I feel like it kind of washed away. Instead, we got a classic kind of old school um, Survivor episode. And I really appreciate that. I liked, you know, um, they tried to do it previously on Survivor, but they didn't. It, it felt, again, more, um, remember this happened because this is important and I didn't love that because I do still think that's lazy writing and like lazy uh, editing and everything like that, lazy storytelling. But um, we got a, a form of that. But I, I will say I like, you know, uh, in, in terms of good, bad, and ugly, and I'll start here with the good, um, I liked the idea that, um, alliances, bonds, they're finally starting to disintegrate a little bit and we get to see some of the drama therein. Now, it didn't culminate in any um, big, weird, crazy move, but I did like that we saw for the first time um, uh, digressions. We saw um, uh, loyalties being questioned. We, I mean, really, the episode kicks off with the Yase, the former Yase. Uh, they, they weren't in the strength. I don't even know if I'm saying the tribe name right. Um, uh, but they were tight, you know, like um, Xander, uh, Evie, and Tiffany were going to bleed for each other. They're going to die for each other. And then cut to 15 seconds later, they were throwing each other under the bus um, so quickly uh, that it was, it was uh, turning your head uh, in circles. So, you know, I, I like that we're moving into that. But not only that, because that was, you, you kind of tell that was happening, right? We kind of knew that. It's more about the Yuvu. I think it's Yuvu, the former Blue Tribe, whatever their name is. I like that they're starting to fall apart. And we see that um, really primarily through the Shan Deshaun um, uh, emotional uh, conundrums and fuffles um and, and you know i like I, I thought that was pretty elegant editing but also storytelling in terms of showing us on the beach their initial um uh conflict and i'm i meant to talk about this later but i'm kind of talking about it now um but i like that we get that breadcrumb we get the checkoffs um i just want to be heard 
And then later that's paid off. And not just in the self-contained aspect of this episode, but this is where Survivor's really at its best to me, is when it, it lays the breadcrumbs of something that will ultimately be a huge narrative within the story. And I think Deshaun's discontent with Shan um, is going to, I mean, if we can believe what it said coming up next week on Survivor, it's going to come to a head. And I like that's when Survivor is doing um, what it's best at. You know, it's, it's allowing the characters to play the game and for drama to happen very organically and naturally instead of forcing Erica into a powerful position that frankly she is just not meant to have she's just not um, significant enough in this game and that was such a protract I'm not trying to relitigate last week but that was such a um, you could see the seams and you can see the fingerprints of the producers so much on that move and I think You know, and part of that too is that's just the the deal with show business. When you get people involved and you get people with a lot of time on their hands, they have to make their time and their efforts matter. And that's why you always hear directors and actors and writers complaining about notes from uh, the suits and the executives is because those notes sometimes are valid, but sometimes it's just you got to say something to make sure you make an impact. And if you've ever been on a Zoom call that is terrible and awful like I have, and you're like, I'm just not gonna say anything because I have nothing to contribute there, there, there's a social tax for that. So I think you can kind of see it in some of the parts of this season where you can see the imprints of suits and of just too much time to think about this when really the beauty of Survivor is that every season takes on a life of its own. And even though everybody knows the things and the cliches to avoid, those things are still gonna happen. And because fundamentally, when you sleep deprive people and you super hunger deprive people, they're just going to get more cranky than they should, or they're going to get more delirious than they should, and bad decisions are going to happen. So it's actually genius, and the simplicity of Survivor is uh, that genius, is that just letting the game breathe. And I thought this episode did such a good job of just letting it breathe. Similarly, another good moment. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, I'm trying to figure this out because I. You know, when, when we were previewing the season, I was trying to figure out, is Xander a genius? Is Xander a buffoon? Um, I think I've landed on that Xander is a maybe some kind of survivor savant, you know? Um, he is like a like a savant version version of Chalamet. There are certain aspects that he uh, that he's focusing on that are so brilliant and genius, but there are certain things he do- does that are so dumb, and he sounds like just a complete goob when he talks sometimes. Um, and I, so I, I can't quite place. Do I think that off the dome in a talking head, while having had nothing but like um, uh, shellfish um, uh, claws and uh, salt water for for nourishment, do I think that he came up with betraydar? I don't know. I don't know, y'all. It's really perplexing me because I can see there's some kind of desperation, almost like a spirit journey or like uh, like when people have to like uh, spend time in a sweat hut or something and they like just hallucinate and they actually like see um, uh, the actual truth of the universe. I can see that happening of him being so malnourished that it actually unlocks this brilliant part of his brain. Or I can see a director being like, hey, I was kind of sketching on a cocktail napkin last night and I come up, I found this good word. And if you want to use that, this would be a good opportunity to do it. I don't know. I think I'm going to give the point to Xander, but I feel like I could also see a uh, producer being like, you, you work this word in because we're going to use it as the title of the episode. I don't, I just don't know. Last good thing um, I'll mention here uh, is uh, I really appreciated Deshaun was, uh, you know, he got a lot of run in this episode, not always for the best reason, um, but I loved how at the beginning of the episode, um, it was everybody talking to Deshaun about why they should be the Yase member 
that uh, should be picked up and trusted, um, Xander, Tiffany, and Evie. And every time he would be listening to them and then cut to like him looking at the camera doing gym face uh, from the office. And I love that. I just love, I feel like Deshaun really um, wears his emotions on his sleeves and we get this throughout the episode. I feel like someone who like Danny is so stoic and I feel like I cannot really ever read what he's doing. I feel like I know exactly what Deshaun is thinking and feeling um, just by the look on his face. So I like that little glimpse into some of his, uh, some of the components of his character kind of becoming, coming a little unraveled in this episode. Um, I'll transition. I'll go bad here. You know, I've only got one. And I think that is the idea and the strategic gameplay of um, uh, people, not just a singular person, uh, but people giving up stuff for the good of the group. I don't, I just don't understand why you do that. And I think that's such an empty gesture. And I've I've never in all my time watching Survivor, I've never seen that um, uh, like elucidated as a reason for someone being kept on a vote or for someone winning the million dollars. That almost at this point feels like such a thirsty gameplay that it's actually more annoying than it is helpful. And I think, you know, you got both um, aspects of Xander giving up his spot to Erica um, so she could play for the right to win food potentially which that's a certain kind of move. But then everybody at the immunity challenge, um, I guess five of them giving up their shot at immunity for the group to have more rice. Um, there's just, uh, I don't know if that, and if it was more of like a selfish thing of like, yeah, the group's going to benefit, but I'm also going to benefit. So I don't really care about anybody else. I care about myself. That's one aspect, but to do it, to be like, I'm going to curry favor here with these people who are trying to beat me. I just, I, I don't understand that. I, I don't think that makes sense. So I will allow that and buy that if it's more selfishly motivated than it is altruistically. Um, but if it's altruistic, like, and I feel like Xander's was, um, I just, I think that's such a stupid gameplay, honestly. I feel like it puts unnecessary um, amount of focus and attention on you when the right move, especially for someone coming from the minority alliance, is to keep a low prof and just like try to seize an opportunity when you have it. And I, I don't think that's what uh, what Xander's doing right now. Um, ugly. Um, I'll go not not like Heather is ugly, but like just her gameplay is ugly, um, and it's really almost depressing to watch. You know, like I, I really felt. I feel like I'd watch just a really like bad episode of a prestige TV show where a beloved character is killed. Heather's not beloved, um, but there's an innocence and a um, obliviousness to her um, where there's just like a, almost like a Mr. Magoo wandering into traffic and her wandering into the traffic of tribal council and being like, I haven't done literally anything in this game. The one thing I did do was I was so bad at a challenge or at a reward challenge that I was so terrible at it that people were empathetic to how terrible I was um, for her to start playing the game at tribal council uh, and then not understanding the game she was playing. Um, that was, that was tough. That was um, on the same uh, par as like Bambi's mom dying. I just, I didn't love watching that. And I honestly, I don't know how you come back from that. I don't know how you come back from a collective rebuke from that, where you start something and you pitch it and you make everybody have to deal with it. And then there are two like circles of people trying to figure out what to do. And uh, the one circle is like everybody except for you. And the other circle is just you. And in the other circle, they're just like, Hey, that was so stupid. And that was so wrong and abrupt and kind of annoying, frankly, that should we just get rid of her when you have misplayed the game that poorly that everyone, despite their differences, um, can unify around how terrible they think you are at this game. That's you've done something there. And, you know, I'll also give an ugly too. I feel like that whole sequence was edited pretty poorly because, um, we got a lot of stuff happening, 
but usually the show is so good at saying like, okay, so here are the two things you're going to think about at tribal council. And one of them is going to happen. You're going to think this person's safe. And sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, but you've got options. Like there's optionality and there's a comprehensiveness to that. You know what to expect here. Um, going out of that tribal council, uh, whisper fest, it was, is it going to be Xander or is it going to be Heather? That's kind of what I assumed was going to happen there. And then lo and behold, we get like 15 names being voted. There's Nasir, which is from Heather, which is one of my, again, one of my favorite parts is just you being like, hey, gang, here's the idea. Are we all going to execute? Okay, good. Ready, break. And then you're literally the only one who followed that plan. I, I just don't know how you... I would request, I'd be like, Jeff Probst, can you put me on Exile Island for like three nights just so I can kind of wash the stink, the social stink off what just happened. Um, but we got we got Tiffany, we got Heather, we got Xander, we got Nasir. Um, and Tiffany wasn't even on the table for me. You know, like I didn't understand that she, her name was being bandied about. We got like a brief exchange between her and Xander, but I just, I just thought that was poorly done. And it was um, so sloppy because there wasn't like the dramatic tension of the moment was lost in the confusion of the moment. Right. I think tribal council works best when you know what the stakes are and who is up for grabs. And one of that, one of those expectations is paid off. Tiffany's was just not an expectation I had, you know, I was more confused by what Heather had done um, and frankly disgusted by it. So um, I'll give an ugly to that. All right, let's go now to hidden immunity idols. If anybody has a hidden immunity idol and you want to play it, now would be the time to do so. Hey, Jeff. Hold up, bro. I just always wanted to say that. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move faster because I have three. Okay, and two of them uh, revolve around Xander, who is kind of a primary part of uh, this episode for better and for worse. Uh, number one, I'm gonna give a hidden immunity idol to Xander not finding the hidden immunity thing uh, at the challenge that he volunteered to sit out of. Um, so for you know we get Jeff breaking the fourth wall again, and he's like, "Hey, what's up? What are you guys doing? Don't look at my face. Don't look at my hair. Look at this thing I'm holding, which is a hidden immunity idol because this game uh, it already didn't have." enough of these advantages that people have and there's just weirdly not playing i'm gonna throw another one into the mix and i'm gonna put it here at the sit-up bench for the loser who pulls the wrong color rock which you know i didn't put this in the bat of the ugly but erica maybe i'll just give her an l i'll just give her like a uh, an early l for not knowing how to pull a right colored rock like for her to do that twice in a row is honestly pretty fortuitous it just makes you feel like this is not her season you know like it's just like a bad draw all around but xander gets there he gets on the bench where jeff has hidden the hidden immunity thing and uh said hidden too much i know i heard it too but i'm not going back i'm not going to edit this um uh for him to look for it and and i'm not clear exactly on how hard he was looking for it i don't know how much that was trick of editing or how much he's just not a good uh, finder of things which i feel like he is he's found some stuff anyways if he would have found it I feel like that would have been a huge blow to the season, to um, the viability of the season. It would have felt entirely too serendipitous for him to find that, having been there because he was nobly trying to give Erica a chance at a sad grilled cheese from Panera, you know? So I'm actually glad that he didn't find it because I think that would be too much tumult. That would be too much drama. And as much as I do like variance and variables, man, him finding that just super easily when Jeff really didn't hide it that, uh, that difficultly, um, man, I I'm really, I'm, I'm thankful because I feel like this episode would have taken on kind of a fraudulence that I would not have enjoyed. All right, next one, I'm going to stay here with Xander. I'm going to say uh, Xander's negotiating skills because you know, we get, and again, this is why this is such a good episode. We got a reward challenge, which I love. 
you want to know what you're playing for. I love that so much. Um, we also got the immunity challenge, which is where uh, Jeff offered to negotiate with the players. I love when Jeff negotiates the players. Um, I love that Shan was like, can it just be one person? And Jeff's like, I need 15. And they're like, Jeff, there's not even 15 players in this uh, competition. He's like, I know, but this is a negotiation. I love that. Good job, Jeff Probst. Um, but they, I feel like they had reached a, uh, a number and forgive me. I don't have, I don't remember the number. Um, but then Xander stepped in and was like, let's re renegotiate and I'll step in. If someone else will join me, then we can have the rice and I can be, um, the noble person who is just providing for people, despite all of you hating me and being scared of me, which they, they reached that conclusion. And I like, um, I like that Xander uh, attempted to renegotiate and I liked that Jeff received it. And because I think secretly, and I don't know if they know this on uh, the island, like when they're out there, but when Jeff um, offers to start negotiating, I feel like in a sense, even though he sees the power of the negotiation, he was he had lost all of his leverage because obviously he wanted something to happen, right? So um, even though uh, the initial agreement was a little stiff, I think the idea they wanted they just wanted some action, right? And if no one was going to take the action, um, that was going to be a net zero. But I think the fact that Xander stepped up and tried uh, to finesse a little bit, I was impressed with that. I like that. I appreciate that just in terms, I don't think that helped his game at all. I don't think that was good for the tribe. I don't really care that they got rice. That was just good for me. I liked watching that. And I liked being reminded that, um, see, that's, that's one of those moments where I feel like they kind of finesse the idea that this is just a, um, objective challenge where people are trying to figure out who's going to be sole survivor. I like that Jeff stepped in there and offered some stuff. I feel like that's a very organic way versus, you know, the aforementioned um, horror of a uh, hourglass. I feel like that's that's a terrible way to do it. I appreciated this aspect of it. Last one. Uh, this is my favorite, and uh, this is why I enjoy watching Survivor with my kids. Is because you'll get moments of, um, you know, uh, clarity. You'll get moments that teaching moments. Honestly, you'll get moments where you can look at your kids and be like, "This is why that was good. This is why that was bad." And I liked where Sean and uh, I'm sorry, Shannon Deshawn were on the beach to trying to figure out whose name to throw out. So not even who to vote, but whose name to throw out or whatever. Um, and uh, Deshawn wants to get rid of Nasir. Um, Shan is not interested in that because Nasir, Nasir provides papaya first of all and secondly he's one of those people who there's a there's a gallantry to him um but also a um chill idiocy to him he reminds me a little bit of philip from rob season of just this guy who thinks he is in command of the game and actually all this other stuff is going around but he's actually a pretty strong player where philip i don't know that was nasir is a very strong player he's great around camp he's a great competitor but i just think there is strategic stuff going on around him that he is not uh, privy to um and I think Shane rightly wanted to keep him around for her game, but also in general, Deshaun did not. Um, and Deshaun felt like he was not being listened to and he felt like he was not being respected, which um, I don't know. I, di I didn't really watch the exchange. I didn't, I don't feel like we got all the angles on it, but um, they pulled themselves aside and Deshaun kind of articulated, Hey, like I need to feel heard. I need to feel like you're absorbing my opinion um, and not just tell me what's going to happen. And that's just good people skills. That's just good conversation. I feel like so many times in reality TV stuff devolves into shouting matches and screaming at, e at each other and all this stupid conversation and stupid fix. Like go to the bachelorette and you can watch two people inelegantly and inarticulately talk about their differences. This was a version though, where two people who are on the same team, we're trying to reach a separate piece. And I really like that. I really, you know, obviously this is going to be used against them later on. It's going to be um, the point of conflict, but I like that it was set up and it will be paid off later. It was paid off later in this episode and it will be paid off later in the next episode. But I liked, even though it won't be paid off in a good way, I liked that 
you know, we got Deshaun's like Chekhov's emotional vulnerability, but actually just in, in humanity in life, that's a cool thing to see of people being like, Hey, I don't feel like you're talking to me. I need you to listen to me. And someone receiving that and being like, cool, I will try to work on that and do a little better. Good job by both of them. All right. Now let's go to biggest L's of the episode. Here's what's at stake for the winner. New Chevy trailblazer, not a bad truck. And if Brian knew how to spell road trip, he'd already own one. All right, I've got three L's to give out. Okay, uh, number one, uh, you know, I talked a lot about Deshaun. I feel like Deshaun, it just his gameplay kind of unraveled here a little bit in this episode. Um, he felt very uh, kind of petty almost, where where I thought he was kind of jovial and chill and had a great sense of humor. I loved him at Tribal Council. I guess it was last week being like, hey, y'all, that was a great move. I like that. There's an affability to Deshaun that I'm not getting anymore because we get a lot of eye rolling at Xander. We get a lot of petty stuff with Shan. Um, we get... Um, there was a couple other exchanges. I feel like either with Nasir or Heather, or I think it's with the Yase tribe of just him being like super annoyed that they're talking to him and not that you can't be annoyed, but it's like, that's opportunities there. People talking to you, like you could do stuff with that. You can do stuff with your tribe. You can also do stuff personally. You can bond someone to you and be like, Hey, like you're gonna be kind of secret agent or whatever. And we're going to be together, but not like be obvious about it. But it felt like he didn't want to do any of that. And it felt like he was just super annoyed in this episode. And I feel like that's not good for his ultimate gameplay. So I'm going to give him an I'm also going to give um, Xander an L because I have a theory in every single episode, or I'm sorry, every single season of Survivor. Um, I always call it the Vin Diesel theory, okay? And it's the idea that every season has a player who plays too fast and too furious, right? And you never really get to it until early in the merge. And I think going into the season, or uh, sorry, going into the merge, I thought it was Shan, um, but I worried we were just fixated too much on her because her, her tribe uh, lost all the time. But now I'm thinking it might be Xander. And I think it's because we are, we've just got our first tribe, I'm sorry, jury member. We just got our first single jury member and Xander is playing like there's two episodes left. He is stacking resume items left and right. He's in the minority alliance. He's drawing way too much attention to himself and he's alienating um, all of his core alliance just in hopes that he can kind of draft off of the majority alliance. Now that might work out next week. You know, he made it to another day. He's still got some immunity stuff going on, um, but he's almost... He's almost brazen in his, like, I'm going to try to make good with Erica here and get her on my side and give her a chance for a sad grilled cheese. I'm going to do the cool guy thing and stand up for people who need more rice. Um, Deshaun's looking at him. I'm sorry, Deshaun's eye rolling the camera about Xander. I feel like that is a sentiment all the uh, all the people on uh, the show right now feel. And I feel like that's something you can't get away from. So I think he's just drawing way too much attention to himself with the kind, kind of game he's playing. Um, and then last L, I'm going to give this to Shan. I feel like this was her worst episode. I feel like this was the showcase um, uh, of almost, I'm not going to say quite awfulness, because I still like some of the things she did. And I do want to credit and respect. She is kind of the driving force of the season right now. And I like her perspective. I like her context. I think she's a great player. Um, but I think she is starting to come apart of the scenes a little bit because, you know, primarily we have Papaya Gate where um, the people who won got to eat grilled cheeses and then the people who lost because of Nasir got to eat papaya, which is pretty cool, whatever. But, um, you know, Ricard and company come back from eating the grilled cheeses. And they see, I guess, discarded papaya. And Ricard wanted a taste of the papaya because he hadn't had papaya yet. And Sean's like, don't touch the papaya. And Ricard's like, oh, I want papaya, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of conversation about papaya, to be honest with you. People say papaya like 15 different times. Ricard does eat it. And Shane gets really mad and kind of lectures him about it, about like, how dare you? How dare you take from people on the bottom? Like, he gets real classist all of a sudden, which is kind of hilarious coming from Shan, who... 
again, I remind you, uh, stole JD's vote and then iced him. Um, so I don't feel like that was super cool or chill about what she was doing to somebody. Um, but she kind of seems to be, I can't tell if she is oblivious or if she's desperate or if she's just super stressed. Um, because you know, we get, I don't have the exact quote here in front of me, but she does a talking head and she talks about trying to consolidate opinions. And she says something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing here wildly, but she says something to the effect of, this is kind of what I do on a, as a pastor. I hear people, I listen to them, I hear their ideas, um, what they want for potluck, their evangel evangelistic uh, ideas that they want to do. And then um, I convince them to do things my way. And I think, um, you know, that might have been coached a little bit, or she might not have been thinking about how that's going to look. But I feel like um, in a lot of ways, she's kind of a living, breathing example of everything we assume is wrong with evangelical culture, right? We talk again and again about how reality TV is a funhouse mirror for reality, right? It reflects back in a weird way how life actually is. And I think, you know, the reality of the world right now is that there are a lot of evangelical pastors who rule with impunity. You know, there's a lot that don't. There's a lot of great, and I always want to, I don't want to uh, uh, paint with a broad brush. There are a lot of pastors who do their thing and do a great job, and I don't want to diminish them. But there are a lot, a lot, and a lot of high-profile situations that um, level and leverage this power, this, this kind of power and this kind of thoughtlessness um, for, uh, for what they want, for their purposes. There's no accountability. There's no responsibility. Um, and they're kind of just perpetuating the things they want to do. My, my, like anecdotally, my, my, my father himself, he served, has served on so many personnel committees where they would spend time researching, studying, interviewing people about big decisions, hirings, whatever, budget decisions. Um, and then they would uh, make a recommendation and it would just be summarily ignored by the pastor who is not obligated to follow those decisions and they just kind of do what they want anyway. So it's kind of just like, like, like a big puppet show. And, you know, for Shan to do this, I, I, obviously there's a degree of overreaction to this, but um, Shan especially on survivors seems like someone who presents like a shepherd, but really is only interested in consolidating power. And a quote like this confirmed this idea. Now I'm by no means am I going to say she's probably just like this as a pastor. Absolutely not. I have no idea. She's probably a great person and she's in the middle of this game, which you cannot apply the same um, ethicality or integrity to how someone plays the game to how they live their life. But that being said, I think it's an interesting parallel to be like, to um, acknowledge uh, on the show that this is what you do as a pastor is you listen to people, but you don't take them seriously. And I think, you know, it's, it, to me, it's just proof yet again, that Christianity, um, is a religion. Yes, but it's also an industry. And I think like other industries, it, it requires, um, regulation. I'm not ever someone who thinks more government is good or the answer, but I think everybody needs a little oversight. Everybody needs to edit. Everybody needs an oversight. Everybody needs someone who can tell you when you're being crazy. And, um, I think even stewards of Jesus, like they need people looking after them, making sure they're always doing the right thing, because as we have learned, they are not always doing that. All right. Uh, before we go to your questions, let's go cross offs. Last week we had Heather and Erica. Um, feel super confident about that. Still, I'm going to ask. Uh, also throw in um, Nasir. I'm going to throw in Nasir this this week, not because I disrespect his game or anything like that. I just think there's an obliviousness to him. Um, but there's also kind of a um, unmalleability to him, where it's like he's the guy who's going to do his thing. He's going to think what he thinks, and you got to contend with it or you don't. Um, the 
characters and especially the supporting characters of the season that go far are the ones who are very malleable. Um, and I just don't see that in him. So I think he's going to be collateral damage eventually just because no one, I haven't heard anyone be like, Nasir's my number one. He's my guy I'm going to the end with. I think he's just a dude who provides, he's a bit of a physical challenge and they will come up with a reason to get rid of him sooner rather than later. So Heather, Erica, Nasir, all cross offs now. Um, okay. Let's go now to your questions. Natalie, is there any way I could have your jacket? Natalie? Alan? Travis Buckley. Thank you, Tim. Natalie? All right, tons of comments uh, from last night's episode. I appreciate everyone who uh, swung by the community and signed up for email uh, subscription or whatever, or uh, just, you know, stop by and let me know uh, their thoughts. That's great. I love getting to see that. Truly, I do. Um, and, you know, I've um, consciously been trying to, uh, there's just been some stuff going on, and I've been off social media uh, for mental health reasons, but also just like life reasons. But um, I haven't always been able to post, you know, on Instagram and Twitter when I'm doing that. And some of you uh, don't need that post, and that's great. Some of you do. Uh, and I, I saw it because I, I did both, and we got a, a great turnout. So um, I appreciate all y'all. And just know, even if I don't post it, it's still going there on Wednesday night. So um, good stuff to see all the different questions. I'm going to try. We had a lot, so I'm going to try to hit as many as I can quickly. Uh, first up, Courtney says, I'd love to hear who you think has a resume to win at this point right now. No one on the blue team does because they haven't played at all. And that continues to be true. Even now that they are having tribals that Alexander, Shan, Evie, and maybe Liana. Yeah, man, it's hard to imagine a scenario where like a Danny Deshaun, um, uh, or Nasir or something like that wins, you know, because I just don't think they've done enough. Um, and not that I don't think they're good players because I think, just like anytime you look at Danny, he's always on the winning team. He's always making the right decision. So I think he's he is worthy of it, but we're just not seeing anything of him, right? And there the the winners at it is a real thing, right? Like we're getting we get uh, exposure to people. So when we see them at the end, it makes sense, right? As the viewer, because this is always. Uh, a production. This is always show business. This is always a compelling TV product. So, you know, that being said, I just have to think that. And, and truly, too, I do think the the history of Survivor tells us that it's the people who go through some stuff, you know, have to go through the mud. They're the ones that earn the win. And I think the Blue Tribe, I can't believe I'm going back to it, like Deshaun and Danny trying to lose and not being able to, there might have been a lot of wisdom to that. So, you know, of we'll go off those four that you said, Xander, Shan, Evie, and Liana. Um, Liana's interesting. I don't know that her instincts are great. Um, Evie is taking a lot of body shots right now when like honestly um when she i think she's a genius and i would listen to podcasts that she did or i would subscribe to her Substack or whatever because her talking about being a low dominance individual was hysterical to me and i loved it and i think there's so much wisdom and intellect that goes into her gameplay maybe so much so that it like sheds off of her and intimidates people um but even like you know, her uh, house is like a dojo of like survivor challenges that she just practices on. Um, that is a level of commitment that uh, reminds me that I, I'm never going to go on the show or try to be on the show just because I think I would get blown off the board. Um, and also, I just really like my sleep and I like my my, my food, you know. So, um, um, I, Evie, I don't know, Shan... I feel like Shan's coming apart at the seams and I just don't think it's sustainable because she is that as much as she doesn't want to be the person telling everybody what to do. Um, she is that person and that alpha personality um, that is not sustainable, especially this early game. So I guess that leaves Xander and I just don't think he's going to win either. But um, I don't know if you had to say the field or Xander, Shan, Evie and Liana, I 
think I would take the field, but I don't feel good about it. It's like the college football Heisman Trophy winner this season. I don't feel good about it. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, I know who it's not going to be, but I don't know who it's going to be. So uh, maybe give me a couple more episodes, and I think I'll have a better answer for you. All right, next up, Taylor Roshkolb says, I'm not sure if it's lack of food or Jeff's excessive enthusiasm, but these contestants are so unself-aware of their place in Survivor history. They keep talking about how the season is so hard and amazing, but the travels are a mess. Majority Alliance can't seem to flush one idol, and the Endurance Challenge lasts four minutes for the love of Ozzy. Taylor, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought this up. They, you know, I do think the lack of um, uh, food is an issue, um, and I, I, I think they've gone to great lengths to make it physically trying. Um, understanding that, though, they are acting like this is the greatest season of Survivor that's ever happened. I don't think that's it. I don't think... Um, there are a lot of compelling game players. There are people who think they're compelling game players. And yeah, like they're, uh, man, I just, I can't tell if Shan is a mess or she's just the only, her and Evie are the only really good players in a season of not good players. But the idea of no one's flushing anything is hysterical to me because no one is flushing anything. And I don't know, I was confused at what Ricard was doing at the end when he was begging Xander to play his idol. And I don't know if that was because because Ricard didn't vote for him. I know he thought other people were uh, voting for him, which they did. But I, I couldn't tell if that that was malevolent or if that was helpful. And he was trying to forge a bond with Xander um, and trying to do something that Shan couldn't. I don't know. And I still, I love, I talked about Shan and Ricard, but their hatefulness of each other, despite still being, quote, their number ones, is hysterical to me. But yeah, I think this is a... Um, it's a it's a subpar premise and it's a it's a decent cast who is not rising to the and I, i'm sure i'm gonna get a couple of these i'm not all in on let's just like mess it up at tribal let's keep it neat and clean i like neat lines you know um i like trim hedges and stuff like that so uh people messing up at tribal council not a fan of that uh next this is a statement i guess mitchy in the kitchy great name says uh some producer must have taken heather's side and said hey you need to do something super crazy and necessary because no one in the audience knows anything about you yes 100 uh, percent agree rachel blevin says that the producers were giving a shout out because uh they were doing all their reward feasts into one extended scene um about grilled cheeses and like the politics and hierarchy of uh you know inequality and stuff like that yes uh i the the grilled cheeses did not did not look great to me you know they were something but they weren't incredible. And I feel like we're at the stage where the food spread should be incredible and we're just not getting that um, right now. Um, Melissa G says, Tiffany statement after she is voting out that the tribe's playing too safe is the most accurate thing she saw all season. It makes no sense to me that players like Erica and others are unwilling to make a bigger move at this point. Yeah, Melissa, this is exactly right. Like, um, everyone is so, I guess, coddled by the safety of the superior alliance that no one even, and I don't know if we're just not getting it, but it feels like no one is even contemplating a big move. You know, Liana was the only one who was trying to make an aggressive move, um, but it blew up in her face really because of Shan, not anything she did. So maybe her instincts are great. I'm talking to myself right now. Um, but the man, like I, I, I'm so stunned that we're not getting six talking heads of Ricard every week being like, we got to get rid of the, this person, this person, this person, her not go, him not going after Shan, um, is kind of stunning to me. Uh, Rachel Hill says, uh, do we think Shan is a pastor because we're, uh, she's only mentioned it 700 times. Yeah. Rachel, I didn't know that until you mentioned it, but I'm glad you wrote that down because for a while I was like, I just don't know what Shan's like deal is, but yeah, she, <laughs> and Ashley Parks followed up and said, she might not be after this airs. <sighs> you know, I don't want that to happen. And I don't think it'll happen, but it's interesting, right? It's interesting to be like, I don't know, you were kind of devious out there. I can't trust you. And especially because of that quote we talked a little bit about here earlier um, of I'm going to listen to you, but I, I need to get you what get you to do what I want to do. It's that's a tough one to come back with that. Uh, Ellie Hoyt says, Jeff said it's time to vote. Do you think you should have allowed them to keep talking? I know ultimately whatever Jeff decides goes, but I feel like if I were there, I'd want to make a case that he wrapped things up and they lost their chance. Ellie, I agree with you. Um, 
you know, I feel like there is precedent. I don't know the season off the top of my head. And maybe it was like Australia or something. It wasn't an actual like, uh, you know, American survivor, like a Jeff Probst or whatever. But I feel like there was a situation where people tried to do this and he shut it down. He was like, that's not how we do it here. And now it's just buck wild and kind of all over the place. I don't like it. I think it's nice every now and then. I think I've said that before. Um, but every single week, and especially like queued up of like, now it's time to get weird and whisper a lot. You guys like that? That feels weird. And it feels like everyone was kind of already on the pa- same page anyway. So um, Heather just kind of messed that up again because that's what she does. She messes stuff up. Uh, next up, Anne, not Chan, says, note to self, if ever on Survivor, do not admit to anyone how much practice things are prepped, lest I be accused of being a dangerous super fan. Uh, just pretend I saw the answer to the weird puzzle really fast. Great call. And I didn't think about this. Why say that? What's the upside of being of Evie being like, I have uh, purchased 1,700 acres in the Pennsylvania farmlands, and I have uh, decorated all of those acreages with different survivor survivor challenges and puzzles so that I can be the uh, preeminent genius in the world at survivor stuff. There's just, there's literally no upside to that. And it just, again, puts a target on her back. So maybe as much as Evie, heavy, whatever, I'm sorry, sorry, as much as she understands people, maybe she doesn't understand herself. You know what I mean? Maybe she doesn't understand how she comes off to people and how much of a target she puts on her back because she's so capable and smart. Um, and uh, well-versed in the history of Survivor. Uh, next up, this is uh, kind of a statement, not a question. And this is from someone who, um, last time I tried to pronounce her name, and uh, I said, I think I said like Cisali or something, um, because it says like Cisali, uh, like strong in parentheses. And I just didn't get that. I didn't understand that. She clarified later and says Cecily, like strong, Cecily Strong from SNL, literally someone I talk about every single week in my uh, job on the podcast, but I couldn't make the connection. So um, Cecily or Cisali, uh, sorry about that. I missed that. But uh, Cecily says, Shan's image of who she is in her head is not the reality here on Survivor. I get that in her normal life with church people, she's able to turn it on, manage complex social situations, but it's not happening anymore here. Yeah, I I agree with you. And it's, again, one of those commentaries of like, you either let your faith and the essence of who you actually are, that kind of, that there, what is, what's the reverse osmosis? Like it, it, it just kind of um, billows out from who you actually are, or you put on the good person suit or like the Christian suit for a little bit and you just kind of act the part and then you go back to kind of being a terrible person. I don't think she has a terrible person. I think she's probably super stressed, sleep deprived, hunger deprived. And that's, that's a tough situation. But I do think there's probably some, there's a mindset issue with her that she has um, talked about of here. I do a thing and then I step out from that. And I think, man, she, I would be interested to see um, interviews where she rewatches and kind of gets a sense of like how she thinks she's being perceived. Uh, next up, Hannah Fleming says, I know there's a lot of hate for Shan, but I'm still rooting for her. She's just a player making mistake after mistake after mistake, and yet I'm obsessed with her. We saw such great gameplay for the pre-merge. Uh, she feels very much like Tony in his first season where everyone was saying how many mistakes he made, and yet he pulled out the win, hoping Shan can do the same. That's an interesting perspective, Hannah. I, I can't decide if I'm rooting for her or not yet. I think there is a respect to be had for her playing the game hard, right? Especially in contrast with, and I, like I always want to reward that. I would rather reward that than reward players like Erica or Heather um, who are just not bringing it. So yes, sometimes you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet, I think is the thing. I don't know. Sometimes you got to, uh, I don't know, be hypocritical and survivor to win be final three, but um, I'm okay with it. I'm, I guess I'm okay with it for now. Um, I think what I want to see here from her in the next few episodes is how does she deal with um, not uh, the potential for disloyalty? How does she gameplay uh, and manage um, uh, maybe someone trying to stick a knife in her back? Does she turn that on him? Does she get very like emotional and hurt and overreact to that? Or does she use that against 
the player. I don't know. I want to see that kind of um, that strategic capability where she, because uh, she's always kind of been um, running things from the benefit of the majority alliance for the most part. But I want to see what happens when she's on the minority. That's when you see the great players be able to wiggle, wriggle out from under um, bad circumstances to make something good for themselves. I want to see her do that. And I think she's going to have the opportunity. And I think that'll tell us kind of everything we need to know about her um, trajectory on the season. All right, last question. This is from Scott T. He says, what's your best value three-leg parlay of things we see next episode from actual gameplay elements like who's voted off, idle plays, et cetera, to production or just camp life elements? Scott, thank you. This is, you know, we're on the over-under achievers feed, which is sports, but also a little bit of gambling. So I, I love that you've brought this aspect to Survivor. Frankly, I'm a little um, disappointed in myself that I haven't brought it further or I haven't brought it to this point. So um, hand up. That's my bad. I'll get better at that. But thank you for asking this question. I'm trying to think about this in things that I believe um, that will uh, come like root for the things you want to root for, but realistically, what's going to happen? So I'm going to put um, over under um, two and a half scenes of people floating in the ocean, exfoliating their skin and talking strategy. I think that's definitely going to happen. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm going to do um, man one and a half over under one and a half um, idols or advantages found next episode. I'm actually going to say over. I think uh, Jeff tipped his hand that he's thirsty for more advantage stuff happening. Um, he's got like an advantage fetish or whatever. He's just throwing stuff out in the middle. I think next episode it will like roll up and they'll just be sitting there on the beach like with the giant like neon arrow pointing at it. Um, and then we just got to have one other person find something. And then um, I'm going to do um, in the rest of Scott's uh, comment, he uh, offered out Ricardus first to throw out Shan's name from a blind side. Um, I think this is, you know, if you know, in, in football, you can guess like first score touchdown or something. I think first to uh, be Tratorius, I would say Ricard's got the best odds. So I think that's a that's a fair play to make. And Ricard, it, man, honestly, it, it, it's going to be Deshaun Ricard, and I think it's we're being set up for it to be Deshaun. So I feel like Desha- okay, how about this? First to group think on the way to the water well to filter water bottles. Who they should go after next episode? Um, it's going to be it's it's like you know minus five hundred that it's Ricard and Sean. I think they're going to connect on that about like we got to get her out of here. She's like taking too much control of the game, stuff like that. So I think those three things I think are very 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 safe bets. Um, okay, that's it for this recap of episode. Eight. Thanks so much for being here again. Thanks so much for showing up to the uh, Substack community. Um, you know, if you want to make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter so you don't miss out on uh, the sectional healing I do uh, weekly or these thread posts that I do, that would be um, amazing. I'll be back next week. Um, we'll be able to talk more. Hopefully, we can get some resolution on whether she has to be a great player or whether she's going to be the second member of the jury. I'm Nox Your Boy, the recap is spoken, and I will see you next time. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop, drop, drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs.